0: we're on the theme of, of the mitzvah, of settling the land of Israel and now we're going to learn about the ten conditions that yoshua placed upon all the tribes when he divvied up the, the the land of Israel into different sections so even though each uh, everybody gets their own land nevertheless they uh, already agree on condition that they will allow other people to have certain rights over public areas. The following are 10 conditions that yoshua placed. People will have the right to graze their animals in forests. Uh, forests are in there. We already saw that. While well, you, well, you can't graze animals in uh, settled areas, but in the forest that's okay. And furthermore, one can go into someone else's field and gather wood. Right, the wood is just there, and if assuming that the owner does not need the wood, and someone else needs some some firewood, they can go and collect some firewood from there. And furthermore, you can go into someone else's uh, field and uh, take the weeds. You assume the person does not need the weeds and but you can use them to burn or whatever or for animal fodder and so you can take them except for weeds that grow in fenugreek uh, because apparently the weeds are good uh, for to be with the fenugreek as the Gemara will discuss each of these in more detail and you one can pluck shoots anywhere um, except for olive shoots because uh, those you have to there you have to leave a lot of it because you want to be able to grow back well. If you have a spring that emerges on someone's land for, for the first time, everybody can share the water that comes from that spring, all the people in the city. One has a, people have a right to fish in the, in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, uh, next to Tiberius, as long as they don't put an underwater big fence to catch all the fish and uh, then because uh, that will um, be an impediment to boats that want to go by so yes everyone can fish a little um, but can't put a big fence uh, if someone needs to relieve themselves, they can go onto someone's property and relieve themselves behind the fence and get some privacy there, even if it's a field full of saffron, uh, which uh, where the Gemara where is going to talk about where it that it's um the issue is it using uh using uh stones that are part of a person's wall uh to clean oneself after relieving and uh that so the stones and uh he may ruin the wall of the stones that he is using nevertheless is permitted and even saffron which is particularly uh, uh sensitive uh, one can uh one is permitted to do so mahalikhin bishbila had to shoot private land even on private land there were paths that the public would walk through to get more quickly from one place to the other and so once permitted to do that during the summer when the land is hard and walking on someone's land will not cause any damage Uh, that's until the second rainfall but once the second rainfall is there then the ground is moist and the crops begin to sprout and then stepping on the land will ruin it so from uh, at that point then people cannot walk through someone's private field they have to go all the way around um, there were hard protrusions in the roads, like you know, potholes and things sticking up. And so one is permitted, when walking on the road, to walk on the sides, even though that's actually on private property. So, you're like, you're walking on people's lawns. Uh, or the edges of their fields, and not on the main thoroughfare, because the main thoroughfare would be um, had have all these bumps; it would be difficult to walk on. And if someone wants to uh, go in, is is lost in someone else's vineyard, um, so and they, they want they need to get out and find the nearest road or the nearest city. They have a right to cut down branches and um, enter, or cut down branch branches and exit, they don't have to walk simply they don't have to simply walk all the way to the uh, edge of the vineyard that might be very far away if they need to find a, a way that's close to uh, the nearest road or city they can um, help themselves find their way even by cutting down some of the private owners vineyards and uh, someone who dies in some place with no there's no family to bury the person and so someone you come upon a corpse so that's a big mitzvah to bury that corpse when there's no one else to do so and uh, the law is that wherever that person is lying the dead person is lying he acquires that place so even if he if uh, someone dies in the middle of a field and he has no one to to take him to a proper burial place and a proper cemetery. So the passerby can simply uh, bury that person wherever he is, even if it's in uh, in private property on someone else's field. So, all these are incursions into someone's private property, but these are permitted. It's good for the welfare of the public. And therefore, everybody agrees, has already agreed when they entered the land of Israel, when Be'Yoshua gave them the land of Israel, it was on condition that even, yes, it's your private property for most things, but you have to allow others um, all these different variances. Okay, if you count the number of things here, it's actually 11, uh, not 10, but we'll get to that. First, let's analyze each one that people are allowed to graze in forests even if the forest is next to your private property or is your private property and nevertheless the forests are there that's what they're for so your animals can graze papa begasa aval daka vegasa begasa lo says this is only true if we're talking about small cattle grazing in a field that has big trees because then they won't destroy the trees they won't do a lot of harm so that's permitted but any other combination if it's small animals among small bushes or big animals even among among big trees and all the more so if it's big animals among small bushes that would not be allowed because by grazing there they will ruin the area Uh, when you're you're allowed to go into someone else's area and gather wood from their fields uh, to use as animal fodder or or maybe to burn a fire. This is only true for thorns and shrubs. But not other trees. You can't go take someone's orange trees and um, and start uh, plucking parts off. Only uh, thorns, weeds, uh, shrubs that they don't really need. And even these uh, thorns and shrubs only if they're attached so that you can go in and and detach some branches, that's permitted. But if they're already detached by the owner, that means the owner already went and detached them and has some piles that he's going to use for himself. So those are already his. You can't take those. And even if they're attached, that's only uh, you're only allowed to take them if they're moist. You could take them for yourself. But if they're dried out, which is good because I mean, they're good for firewood, so the owner would want to t- want to keep them those for himself so he can't take the best things the things that you know the owner will want but if it fulfills all the other conditions then we can assume the owner is fine he doesn't need them and he's okay with other people coming in and taking them and all this is provides you don't uproot the whole bush you just take a few branches you don't want to uproot it and then it can't grow anymore at all You can go in to someone else's field and take the weeds, except if it's uh, weeds among fenugreek. Now, why? Are you telling me that uh, weeds are good for French fenugreek? Having the weeds in there helps the fenugreek grow better, and that's why the owner wouldn't want you to take them? That's what it would seem from here, that, uh, that it's good. We have a, a, a contradiction from Mishnah uh, in Masechet Kilayim, that if you have weeds and uh, fenugreek and weeds among them, or grasses, vegetation among them, you don't have to separate them. Now, kilayim, you're not allowed to plant different uh, diverse species together, and these are diverse species. So how come you don't have to to take it out? Uh, Because you only have to take it out if it's good for it. Um, if they're beneficial for each other, but if the weeds are bad for the whatever else is growing, in this case fenugreek, then you don't have to. So we prove from this Mishnah that weeds are actually bad for the fenugreek, and that's why you don't have to uproot them. So now we have a problem because in the list in the Beraita of the list of Yehoshua, it sounds like uh, weeds are good for fenugreek, and the Mishnah says weeds are bad for fenugreek. How can we resolve this contradiction? It'll we'll do so in a few ways. It depends if the owner is growing the fenugreek for its seeds or for its stalks. You see, here's the seeds that are useful in themselves, and the stalks are also useful for other things. So the Mishnah is assuming that it's growing for its seeds, and the Baraita is uh, that where it's growing he's growing it for its stalks. If the owner is growing it for its seeds so then you want as many seeds as possible and the other weeds are going to diminish the growth of the seeds and so that's where the Mishnah is talking about that says that the weeds are bad for it. Um, But in uh, in the Braithah that says that the weeds are good for the fenugreek and therefore other people cannot take it, that's talking about where you want the fenugreek for its stalks. Now if you have uh, vegetation alongside then the the uh, stalks can grow um uh on on top of the uh the, the those uh, those other vegetation, and so the um, stalks of fenugreek can actually grow higher by climbing on top of those weeds, and therefore it's actually good for it, makes it grow more, and that explains why other people cannot take it in the Baraita or another way to resolve the contradiction. Another uh, answer is that the uh, Mishnah is talking about where it's planted for human consumption and the Braita is talking about where it's planted for animal consumption. So the Braita. That says the the weeds are good for it. Well, since it's uh, meant for animals, so the w- other weeds are also good. The animals will eat that also as part of the animal fodder. Um, and so the uh, owner would want the weeds to remain there, and that's what the Brachot is talking about. If it's for human consumption, the human only wants the fenugreek and does not want the weeds there. Having the weeds there diminishes from the growth of the fenugreek, and therefore um, is uh, is actually bad for it. How can a passerby know if the owner meant for the fenugreek to be for an animal or for a person? Well, it depends. You can just look at it. If it's planted nicely in rows, then you know it's for human consumption. As someone deliberately planted it nicely to grow really good for human consumption. But if it's all haphazard not in rows then that's for animal consumption uh, because uh, people put less care into growing animal fodder. You can pluck off shoots uh, anywhere, um, except olive shoots, because that will uh, uh, damage the olive trees. So Rabbi explained in the name of an elder. Older, that if you're taking some uh, parts of an olive tree you have to leave the trunk and uh, higher than the trunk the size of an egg. Uh, above that you can take some uh, because you need that trunk and that uh, uh, root there in order to, for it to regrow. Um, in case of reeds and grapevines you have to find the first knot of the, uh, of the uh, root Um, of the base and from there up you can take but not above that and other trees you can take um, only from the thick part of the tree but not from the thin parts of the tree that grow at the edges because then those parts uh, won't grow back so that's uh, how much that's uh, you want to make sure that if you're taking from a tree it's okay so you're pruning it as actually pruning it will make the rest of it grow better in fact Um, but you don't want to take from something that will really damage the tree or the vine from growing again. Min yashan, shehu And furthermore, when you're taking from trees and uh, and vines, you can take from a new branch which did not which did not yet produce fruit because those are not so important. So you prune that off, and that's actually good and will help the other branches uh, that are are growing from Fruit, but don't take an old branch that is producing fruit because then you're destroying um, the productive part of the tree, you can take from a part of the tree that's in the shade that doesn't produce very much, and uh, but you're not allowed to take from part that's facing the sun because that's where on the side where it's facing the sun, that's where it grows the best and creates the best fruit that ripens nicely, as the uh, pasuk says um, in Vezot uh, HaBeracha uh, for the precious things, the 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 um, the fat of the land um, that that are the fruits of the sun, so you see that those that are facing the sun are the best fruits. If there is a, a spring that comes up in the city, all the people uh, comes up on someone's private property, all the people in the city can benefit from it. Uh, so the says, Yeah, but the other. Residents have to pay him for the water that comes up. Yeah, they're allowed to take it, but they have to pay him. It's on his property. But not so they can take it even without pay payment. Right? He is very very lucky that he got this um, spring on his uh, land. It'd be very convenient for him to get water all the time. But we agreed from before that anyone who has a spring on his land, everybody in the city will be able to share of it. <muchakin> et a sefina so your one is permitted to fish in the sea of teveria uh, but you can't put an underwater big fence to block off the whole thing and prevent boats from being able to pass through. So you you can't use a big fence, but you can fish with nets and traps, not only with a fishing line. You definitely can use nets. Another that says what we just said. That the tribes stipulated that with each other, right? That um, any anyone can come to the sea of the of Sea of Galilee, and but not put an underwater fence, but they can um, uh, bring um, uh, boats and fish with nets and traps. another brighter teaches that the sea of Tiberias is part of the tribe of Naphtali. <laughs> There's a blessing to Naphtali that says he possesses the sea and the south. So what is south referring to? Um, This is a stretch of land on the south part of the sea that also they get because that's a good place that they can spread out their fishing nets and catch fish so they get that extra piece as well. Tanya Rabbi Shim'on ben kol Shebatim another breita that detached uh, vegetation found in the mountains that at the time of conquest so at the time that went into the land anything that's detached anyone can come and take it but that's what uh, anything that's uh, still attached to the trees attached to the ground uh, belongs only to the shevet uh, that owns that area. Uh, beautiful baraita, that every single tribe, although they divided the land of Israel into many parts, every single shevet has a portion in the different topography: the mountains, lowland, and countryside. How do you know that? Shene emar pino us ulachem ubo har emorim el kol shechena b'adava b'har u b'shefela u b'negev u b'chafayam u gomer. Kenat Amoset b'kenat anim b'perizim b'memorim shelifnehem shene emar v'el kol shechena al ma shechena hachi havu. Uh, When um, Hashem tells tells Moshe, go and journey to the hill country of the Emori, and also the lowland, and the countryside, and the seashore. So first of all, you see that the Emori themselves had all the different topographies, and uh, that's true not only for the Emori, but for the other peoples that had different city-states. Um, and control different parts of the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, like the Canaanim Perizim, and it says, and to its neighbors. So that means not only that the Mori have all the topographies, but also the neighbors had all the topographies. The Shevatim came in and they took over each of those different areas, and so each of the Shevatim also can benefit and have have mountains and have lowlands. And each of those different types of lands are good for different things. Someone's going uh, is walking on the path, and they need they need to relieve themselves. You're allowed to go uh, to into someone's uh, field and uh, relieve himself behind a fence, even if it's in a field of saffron flowers. Uh, the sederbiachavYakov so explains that the issue is that one is permitted not only to go onto the land, but also to take a stone out of the wall to clean themselves. They didn't have toilet paper. They used uh, smooth stones, and so he might take one out of the wall to use it, and even though that may may weaken the wall a little bit, um, all this is permitted. And one can do so even on Shabbat. This one, Shabbat, is Mukseh. Um, generally, just like today, people will uh, rip toilet paper before Shabbat and set it aside that this is what they're going to use on Shabbat. So, in those days, they didn't have toilet paper, but they would take some pebbles and rocks and stuff and uh, set it aside it Says, I'm going to use these um, in case I need uh, to relieve myself to clean myself. But what if someone's in a, in a place where he didn't prepare rocks? There's not enough rocks or he's traveling on the way and he needs to go. So, what is he going to do? He not clean himself and be dirty? No, the rabbi are careful they care about human dignity and this is very un- uh, very undignified for a person not to be able to be clean so therefore the rabbi said we're not going to uh, prohibit uh, mukseh when it comes to issues of human dignity like this and therefore one is permitted even to use mukseh rocks um, uh, if there if there are no prepared rocks. that has a direct seems like it, would, it wouldn't be relevant today but it has a direct relevance if today you're somewhere that uh, there's no ripped toilet paper or tissues so same thing the you can you can um, uh, the the rabbis say you don't you can't do a deoraita but you can override a dira banan and rip toilet paper in a haphazard way but those are interesting halachot that for a separate time okay anyway so one is allowed to go and take the these rocks and use them even on Shabbat, and who was a big Hasid, he would, if he was uh, near someone's fence, and he would permit himself to use it and put it back in the wall. And then after Shabbat, he would tell his attendant, go put plaster over it so it'll be fit nice and securely back in the wall. I don't want to be responsible for weakening someone else's wall. So that's why he's a Hasid, because technically you don't have to do all that, um, since everybody is uh, uh, um, it gives permission to each other that's part of the condition of the land that people can use rocks in your wall for this purpose. One is permitted to walk on the set paths that go through people's private land um, that's during the summer and when the land is hard and walking through on these paths will not harm the land and that means until the second rainfall but once the second rainfall starts then the land is moist and is starting to grow and therefore stepping on the land will ruin it and is no longer tr- no longer Longer allowed. That's true in the land of Israel. The Papa says, and here in Bavel, uh, the land is always moist, and even a little bit of dew uh, from the previous night will make stepping on it bad for the land. And therefore, uh, this is not true. In, in, in Bavel, you can't go and trample on people's land, even if it's just some dew from the previous night that makes it moist, and stepping on it on it will be bad. And uh, one is allowed to walk on the sides, off the sides of the road, even though that's on the edge of people's land. Um, because there are bumps in the road, so one time Shemuel and Rabbi Yehuda, his student, were walking along the road, and Shemuel was walking on the side of the road, even and walking on public property, uh, private property. So Rabbi Yehuda asked his teacher, uh, Shemuel. Um, it says these conditions that Yeshua sure made, that you're allowed to walk. On the sides of the road on private property. I know that's true in Eretz Yisrael because that was part of the condition of giving the land, Uh, but is that true in Bavel? Why are you allowing yourself to go and trample on people's private property? And uh, Shemuel answered, yes indeed, I believe that this applies also outside the land of Israel and that's why I permit it. The following story is now in Eretz Yisrael and similarly these two great Rabbis were walking on the side of the road on private property. So while they're walking on the side of the road, taking advantage of this permission. Um, there was a Rabbi Uda ben Kasson um, Kanosa, who was walking in front of them, taking big steps so that he could uh, uh, walk over those protrusions in the middle of the road. So he's going in the middle of the road. He wants to be machmir and not go on people's private property. Now, it's very uncomfortable to walk that way. you got to watch where you're going and take funny steps. Um, but he's doing it to be extra machmir. Amar the ma Rabbi ben Kanosa so they're looking at him funny, like, oh, who does he think he is? He what he's uh, he's more pious than the great sages of the time. So the Bihya told the be so that's what the be asking, who who is he? Who is this? Who does this person think he is? He's going in the middle of the road. So the bichya says it might be my student Biurda ben kanosa and everything does is Leshem Shamayim. If he's doing it, he's not doing it out of haughtiness to show, oh, look how pious I am. See, I go in the middle of the road, and I, I don't want, I, I would not uh, go on private property uh, just to make himself look look uh, better. Um, as that which would be not be a good reason. One should not take upon himself astringency just to show off. That <laughs> misses the whole point. Um, but if you do it L'Shem Shemaim, that's okay. So Rebichia says, I know, if, if that's him, I know he's doing it L'Shem Shemaim. So eventually they caught up to him. And uh, they saw that indeed it was uh, it was him. And they told him, Rabbi Yudha Nasi told him, if not that you were Yehuda ben Kanosa, uh, that your teacher, Rabbi Chia testified that you do everything for the sake of heaven. Otherwise, if you were someone else, I would have said, ah, oh, you're trying to be haughty. And I would have cut your legs off with iron shears. Uh, not literally. He means it would have excommunicated you for doing this. That's how bad it is to be haughty especially to use a Khumrat to be haughty. But I see, nah, but I know you're at L'Shem Shamaim. But therefore, it's okay. ben mefaseg mefaseg Someone gets lost, like in a, you get lost in a cornfield, right? So in Israel, you get lost in a vineyard, uh, but the person has is permitted to get himself out of there from being lost, and he can cut down branches and come in, cut down branches and go out, you know, meaning uh, any which way he needs to, he can cut down branches so we can get to the safety of the road or the city uh, as soon, in the soonest way possible. We have a braita that's talking about someone else who's outside the, uh, the vineyard. He sees his friend in the middle of the vineyard lost. Now, he's outside the vineyard, so he knows exactly the right way to go so the person outside the vineyard can save the lost guy by cutting down entering cutting down entering into the vineyard cut down and make a short path and find his friend and cut down whatever he needs to to get out in a short path that's permitted you're helping your friend get out yes there'll be some damage to the branches uh the, that's, that's too bad for the owner of the vineyard but that's unconditioned you have a vineyard listen people may get lost and you have to give them the right to Cut down branches to get out. And if the lost person himself, there's no one else to save him around, he can himself cut down branches to get out and uh, into a place where he knows where he is. Now Why do you say "v'chen" that someone else can save him and he himself can can cut down branches to save himself? Like wasn't that obvious? If I only had the first half, I might have thought that only your friend who's outside the vineyard and knows exactly his way... That person is permitted because he's going to make a beeline and and, uh, destroy as little as possible to go right to the guy who's lost, get him right out. That's okay because uh, 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 he he knows exactly where he's going. Uh, But the lost guy himself, he's in the middle. He doesn't know where he's going. He's going to start cutting this way and turning this way and that way. And he's going to cut down half half the vineyard by the time he figures out which way he's going and where he is. So you might have thought that. That's not permitted and therefore he has to say V'chen to say even the lost person himself, even though he's not going to have the most direct uh, path to the street or to the city nevertheless he's allowed to extricate himself um, uh, by cutting thing cutting things down you might have thought right maybe you thought that he can't cut anything down uh, maybe if you're lost in there then you have to uh, go to the edge and just walk along the boundary of uh, of the vineyard until you get all the way to the uh, to the other side um, uh, to the beginning or the end of the vineyard which will be a very long way out and that might take a uh, a very long time. So you don't have to do that, rather he can cut so that he can find a shortest route, even though it won't necessarily be as short as the person outside. And Now we ask, Wait a second, why do you have to tell me that, oh, Yeshua made a special dispensation that people are allowed to cut down? Uh, uh, parts of a vineyard so that they can find themselves. This is a deoraita law. Anyone is allowed to do that, as the Torah says, um, uh, uh, regarding that you have to uh, uh, return a lost object. Now, this this doesn't only apply to uh, returning a lost wallet, a lost phone, lost jewelry, how about does it, does it apply the Brayata to his own body? If you lose your body, right? You lose your head, you lose your body, you don't know where you are. Are you allowed to um, uh, uh, find yourself even at the expense of someone else? And the answer is yes. Uh, So a person, just like a person would, if I I find your animal, I have to take uh, expense upon myself and feed your animal and take care of it until I'm able to find the the owner. Uh, So too, if a person uh, finds a if if I find a lost person or a lost person needs to find himself because he's in the middle of your vineyard, then they are permitted to cut down vines in order to be able to find where they are. Now, so since this is Deoraita, I don't need to tell me that sure made a special. Condition about this, and the answer is Doraita hu ka be be misre be ve ve Now, if it was only for the Doraita, I would say, okay, yes, you're allowed to find yourself by going along the boundary uh, uh, without um, damaging other, more, uh, damaging more vines. Just walk along the boundary of the vineyard, even though that may very be a very long time. Till you get to the end of it. But that's, uh, that's sufficient for you to find yourself, I might have thought, and therefore the Takana of yoshua is, is that not only are you allowed to walk all along the boundary, you can even cut through to get uh, the most direct route to the nearest city or the nearest street. Umet mitzvah kana me komo. Uh, the last thing on the list is that when someone dies in the middle of someone's field. Then he acquires that place, and he has a right to be buried there and gets that place. That's his cemetery plot forever, uh, even if it's on someone else's private property. We have a challenge. Would mean who? be the small Um, This Benaytas teaches that if someone finds a dead body um, in the middle of the street, this word "isratia" is from Greek "strata." It's the root of our uh, English word um, "street." Which is cool. Okay, so you find the dead body in the street. You don't leave it in the middle of the street and bury it right there because then Kohanim won't be able to walk by. Anyone who wants to be Tahod will become Tameh by walking on the street. So that's very inconvenient. Rather, you can move it to the right of the street or to the left side of the street. Now, if it's found um, somewhere in, in between different types of fields and you can move it to one or, or, or another type of field, you should pick the field that will have the, less dam- the least damage. So, it's a, if you have it between a fallow field and a plowed field, so you should move it to the fallow field because there's, nothing's growing there anyway. The plowed field, well, it's not seeded yet, but it will uh, eventually, so move it to the fallow one. If the choice is between a plowed field and a sown field, then move it to the plowed field. It's not yet sown, so don't ruin the guy's sown field. Um, but if both of them are the same uh, quality, both are uh, empty, or both have um, are plowed, or both are sown, then you can put 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 the body anywhere you want. You see from this long beraita that you can move a body. To, from one place that's from, uh, from one place to another where it will cause less damage and be more convenient so uh, how come this con- this seems to contradict the uh baraita that says that a corpse acquires its place no matter where it is <speaking in Hebrew> explains that when can you move it only if it's on the pathway Now, once you're allowed to move it off the pathway, then you can decide, should I go to the right, should I go to the left, should I put it in this field that's about to grow things, or that other field that wasn't growing things anyway? So then you can decide where it's best to put it. But if it dies in the middle of a particular field, not on the road, then you have to put it in that field. Even if it's a sown field, then you have to leave it there. The beginning of the B'daytah says these are 10 conditions that Yahshua made, but then if we count them, we find that there are 11. And the answer is, Yahshua instituted uh, 10 of them, but there's one of them that was not by Yahshua, but rather by King Shelomo, and that's the fact that you can walk through uh, paths uh, that that cut through private um, fields, in the summer, that was not from Yoshua, that was added later by King Shalomo. adam uh, alav the Brayta teaches if someone's uh, produce was harvested from the field, that's it. There's nothing else in the field, right? This is in the in the springtime or or early summertime, and now the field is empty, and so there's no would be no harm. For people to walk through the field, if the owner nevertheless is so stumbered and stingy that he doesn't let people enter into the field and walk through to get a shortcut, what do people say about the person? They say, "What, what benefit does he have by stopping us from walking through? What are, What are the people uh, doing that would cause him damage? He's just being stingy and annoying, right? And, and he's not he's not losing anything if he would allow us to go through." So people say talk about him negatively about him the pasuk says um, he prevents himself from doing good and uh, um, and and therefore people call him uh, evil right so in other words don't be called evil by refraining from doing good rather if you can do good it is no expense to yourself Try to be generous. This is quoted as a pasuk, but there is no such pasuk in Tanakh. So, is this really a pasuk? Why are you saying so? Yes, there is indeed a pasuk like that. Those are not the exact words, just a paraphrase of the pasuk, but the actual pasuk is from Mishlei. Uh, so, it uh, says, do not withhold good from someone to whom it's due, when it's in the power of your hands to do something good for him. So, you can do something good, do it. Don't uh, stop yourself uh, just because you want to be stingy. So, this is from Mishle, which is attributed to Shilomo HaMelech, and this, an application of this, is allowing people to go through your field if it's no uh, harm to you. And therefore, ten of them are instituted by Yeshua, and this one by King Shilomo. Next, the Gemara S. Is, are those all of them? We have 11, you, you counted 11. But actually, there's a few more stipulations that Yeshua made at the time that he came and settled the land. V'ha'ikad rabi huda. De'tanya, rabi huda. R'bishat osat zebalim. Adam osi zebalo l'rishut ha-rabim. V'sobro kol seloshim. Kedesh yehen ishoof beragli adam, beragli behemash. Al ken indechil Yeshua li-israel et ha-ares. R'biyo tot. In a baraita that at the time that people take the manure um, out uh, of their fields um, they can put it in the middle of the street and pile it up for 30 days so that it should be uh, trodden upon by the feet of people that are and feet of animals walking by It makes the manure better to use as fertilizer when people step on it. Uh, well don't you want don't you wish you lived in ancient times you can imagine just the smell. An experience of walking through the street um, and because this is permitted even though this is the public thoroughfare and people have a right to walk there and when you're putting your private stuff on the public thoroughfare that's part of the condition that people made the only example i could think of like this is that uh, when it snows a lot people will shovel their snow into the middle of the street so that the cars will run over it and melt it. And so that's what the street is for. So here's another thing that is permitted. Then Yahushua made a condition. How come this one is not in the list of the ten? not in the list of the ten socho shel chavero nechil shelo venoten lo socho shel The the son of Yohanam and Bedoka, taught that that Betin made a condition that a person is permitted to go into his neighbor's field and cut a branch in order to save his bee colony um, and then they'll pay for the branch after so in other words I have a, a beehive and uh, a bee colony on my land and then it, uh, the bees relocated and went on a branch in your property but they're my bees so i can go and cut off the branch where they set up a new colony and bring the whole branch back to my property and take back my bees even though i'm taking a branch from you so i'll pay the value of the branch and get the bees that are rightfully mine so this is a condition uh, that is uh, uh, set forth that everybody lives in the land of Israel agrees to. And another condition that the land of Israel was given for is that, let's say, someone has a barrel of honey, which is very, very expensive, and then all of a sudden it breaks while he's carrying it, and the honey is pouring out, and someone else is nearby, and he has a barrel of wine, wine is expensive but it's much cheaper than honey. So the one who has a barrel of wine should pour out his wine on the floor and, and use his barrel to save the honey because it's more expensive. And then the owner of the honey which must repay the owner of the uh, barrel of wine the amount of the wine and that way it's a, a win-win or less loss to everyone. The, bar- the person that owns the wine it comes out even and the person that owns the honey uh, will only lose the value of of wine but will save the value of the honey so people should cooperate for the benefit of everyone and another condition uh, is that if someone has some wood uh, that his animal is carrying, another person is carrying flax. Now, the flax is worth much more. So, let's say the person who's carrying the flax's uh, donkey broke down, and now the flax is on the side of the road. It's going to get all ruined. uh, So, the person who has the wood should remove the wood, uh, put it on the side of the road, and carry the flax on behalf of the flax owner, even though that means the wood will be lost and then the owner of the wood gets paid back the value of the wood from the value of the flax. A similar case. And all this, all these are conditions um, that when Yeshua portioned the land, he said you can have it on condition that you follow all these things. So now we have a whole list of additional items. It's not just 10. How come he said 10 if it should be like 14 of them already? And then the answer is, we're not talking about minority opinions. All these are, are just minority opinions that says this is an additional thing to the list. The list of 10 is agreed upon by everyone, It follows majority. Okay. The previous lists and those, but I thought, were all statements of Tanaim. And so these were all only individual Tanaim, minority opinions. But the following is said by the bi Amorah quoting uh, uh, um, an earlier opinion uh, that seems to be agreed upon by everyone. If I own a tree and it makes the first fruit I have to bring, the to uh, to Yerushalayim and recite the Mikra Bikurim Adami Oved Avi. Now, if I have a tree that is leaning and the top branches are um, over my neighbor's uh, land, or if it's I I plant it very close, you're not supposed to plant a tree very close to your neighbor's land because in the roots are going to go under that person's land and weaken their land. Nevertheless, if I have a tree like that, that is benefiting from someone else's land, still, when it grows fruits, I, as the owner of the tree, uh, take the fruits to Yerushalayim and still say the whole mikra Bikurim. Even though, uh, technically, it's benefiting from someone else's land and you only bring Bikurim if it's a tree that grows on your own land, nevertheless, this is one of the Takanot of Yehoshua that everybody should share. Okay, so this person um, benefited somewhat from your land, from overhanging fruit or from roots. Okay, so nevertheless, give it to them. Let them have their fruit and say the Mikra kurim. Eh, so this is an added one that's, that is agreed upon by everybody. So there's definitely more than 10. Rather, the Baraita that we started with today, is, uh, that said 10, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, and his, according to his count, there were 10. And in fact, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, from the, this place, Be'katil, actually has a version of the Breitah that says explicitly that the original Breitah we started with was the uh, was the opinion of the Biyosheh ben Levi. As it says, I said the name of an, uh, one elder. And who is that elder? is in, is in fact Biyosheh ben Levi who said there are 10 conditions. But Biyosheh ben Levi is an Amora. Biyosheh ben is also an Amora. So Biyosheh ben says, no, I think there are 11. Uh, so that's why there's a machloket amora'im about how many uh, of, of these takanot there are. But in some, all these takanot are to uh, improve the land of Israel and encourage cooperation and so and people sharing for the benefit of everyone. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen. V'amen.